What one of the things that I admire so much about Leader Pelosi is that she comes from a space of activism and organizing, and so I think that she uh, she really appreciates civic engagement. Welcome to Beyond Narratives, and welcome to our fourth episode. I've got my co-host, the ever-vigilant Chris Nonis here. He's down from under. Eh, I meant to say down under. And I'm Al, straight out of NYC, the ever-hardcore leftist. Combined, we are Beyond Narratives, the podcast that combats the CIA-MIC propaganda matrix and gives you a viewpoint you will not hear anywhere else. We'll also tackle stories that emanate from the nexus of the culture wars, finance, tech, and of course, politics. So let's get started. Chris, what's in your mind this week? Oh man, you know, I, I dread having to listen to these whiny voices and and I know you, you enjoy this shit because you actually you've been taunting me in the rehearsals playing these. I I can't listen to her. I just can't fucking stand listening to her. I feel like you know what I feel like. I feel like that conservative radio podcast host uh, Michael Savage. He tries to sometimes play Hillary Clinton or AOC, and then he 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 barely survives five seconds and he goes, I can't listen to this. And he just turns it off. You can see that this guy is so triggered and so do I. Every time I fucking hear a voice, I get triggered. I mean, I can't help it. Jesus. It, it seems like she's like, she's like the front and center for the, like she's basically a DNC spokesperson right now. I mean, what else is she? She's constantly berating the left and propping up Biden. And they don't even say his name anymore. They keep saying the administration. It's like they gave this bitch the perfect voice to piss people off how do i just don't understand how anyone not even the world's greatest penny wearing male feminist cat should be put, able to put up with that shit oh my god she sounds so fucking annoying how, how does it well the, the, the funny part right now is that she's uh, she's already got an entire right wing that hates her and now she's gonna have an entire left wing that hates her it's like she was created in a lab just to piss people off she was. We'll talk about that later. She was created in a lab, mm. didn't you know? Okay. She came from like business incubator and everything. So. I see. Yeah, because uh, there can there is actually an article uh, about her. In fact, uh, I think uh, it's called uh, the origins of AOC, where they dive deep into. Yep, that was on the World Socialist website. Yeah, that is uh, worth looking into. I actually haven't got the article here with me, but uh, it is worth taking some time to dive deep into that one at some point maybe in the future one day oh yeah yeah i've got i've got some uh points on that but you 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 actually were we're going to talk about of all things like new york post doing actual journalism and there's they seem to be ones disseminating disinformation more than anybody else at this point you know the world's upside down when that happens well yes there's a new york post article that actually cites a study which shows that AOC is one of the least effective members of the Congress. She actually, in the sense that she never gets any work done, but <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, she was very successful at using leftist language and posturing to sheepdog leftists into a pro-coastal elite, pro-censorship, pro-war, anti-worker party. So Well, it's been a, it's been a democratic staple for like 40 years. Come on. They're good at it. They, this is just another reincarnation of Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, 
Nancy Pelosi, it's all the same, right? Mm. And I shared a Twitter thread with you by a certain Eric London about AOC. I don't know if you had a chance to see that, have you? Oh, yeah, I did, yeah. And in... Not, I mean, he goes to town on them. Yes, because uh, in that, he actually shows some of uh, her campaign finance uh, track record. And especially this one particular instance where AOC gave money to a certain Alyssa Stalkin, who is a Democrat from Michigan. And this Democrat was an aide to John Negroponte, who was the ambassador to Honduras in the 80s and uh, was directly responsible for propping up dictators and creating death squads that resulted in thousands of killings in Central America. And uh, hey, now she is out there claiming to defend immigrants when she has been responsible for the... Uh, f- uh, she has been responsible. I mean, I can't... I mean, it, it's kind of a long shot to say that AOC has been responsible, but she's actually giving money to people who are directly responsible for the sufferings of thousands of lives, uh, which is creating all these... Uh, uh, which is creating all these the caravans and all the immigrant situation that's happening, at least a crisis that's happening down at the border. And he- well, you know what they're going to say? They're going to say like, "Oh, it's the aid. It's not really him." Like the aid wouldn't have his same political philosophy, you know? Is the aid going to be like some communist? No. Yeah, but uh, but it's not just the aid though. But she's directly she's giving money to a person who has a very direct link. To this uh, crisis that's happening in uh, in Central America, and which is uh, of course uh, being brought all the way down to the southern border of the United States. In fact, Chris Dodd in two thousand and one had written an article where he actually shows some reviews from the State Department and CIA documents that shows that Negroponte knew. Um, more about the government uh, perpetrated, uh, you know, the government's uh, role in the human rights uh, violations. And he also refused to share a lot of that uh, in the review. He refused to, he refused to share. Yeah, because, because knowingly, he, he, he knowingly kept information because of how complicit they are in, in a lot of the violations of these uh, human rights and the uh, U, uh, U.S. Embassy's contribution to the... That's it's always tough, funny yeah. to see like uh, Wall Street ghoul servants like Chris Dodd, like you know, pontificating about human rights. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, which one to pick your poison? Do you want an evil banker or do you want like a human rights abuser <laughs> between the two? And uh, besides that, there's also a political article where I think AOC has skipped the whole uh, uh, Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee to give just a, because because she raises a fuckload of money, right? Because She's even though she's from a area where there's like only seventeen thousand votes or whatever for her, she still gets votes. She still gets a lot of campaign contributions from all around the country because of her Twitter personality. So <laughs> there you go. I mean that, that she's just a she's mostly a Twitter celebrity and she raises money on that, and she's been sort of skipping the process or uh, and uh, giving money directly to uh, some of these. Uh, DNC candidates without their approval, without them asking for it. And this is sort of affecting 
their own reputation as well so they are sort of on a on the fence about receiving money from her and, and some of them are in fact considering on even uh, returning the money to her and uh, this is because they, they've been put uh, it's kind of pickle for them so that's kind of a funny situation that's because the right wing is gonna the right wing is gonna tear them apart like <laughs> look at the socialists giving you money exactly. you're like a communist yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of a it's a kind of a double-edged sword isn't it in some ways you can see okay maybe that that is a good thing for AOC because uh, that just shows that some of these right-leaning Democrats uh, are rejecting her because uh, because of the impression that people around the world have about AOC being a socialist. But at the same time, also, I'm I'm not so sure about about that. I think it's more to do with the fact that she's deliberately doing it as well, just to uh, sort of you know because of her fucking ego and she thinks that she's the boss who just wants to toss money around oh you take that you take that yes sort of yeah i also thought that it could be like as we uh, we were going to deconstruct her entire personality and persona that she's trying to create one is like how silly is a right wing to think that she is an actual socialist <laughs> it's obvious she's a complete nancy pelosi in the making right but it's the same reason how they go crazy about Nancy Pelosi. They think she's some kind of progressive warrior. I mean, this is where I really think that it's a complete scam. Like everyone's in on the on the on the actual like you know, if you can actually believe that these people are like leftists and communists, there's something wrong with you, right? And I think they're playing a part in the narratives of making Pelosi and AOC look like some you know progressive stalwarts. They're not, right? And the ir- irony is the DC D Triple C actually send AOC the wire transfer information, right? Yes. Now, they obviously knew it's happening. If you're going to give someone wire transfer, she just didn't tell them she was going to do it, but you're, you're giving wire transfer information to somebody. What do you think they're going to do with it? Just sit on it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, she's she's definitely not a socialist by any stretch of imagination. I mean, I don't know why people, especially in America, they have this... I think uh, they have this very skewed view of what socialism is. This is more of a I think there is a right has a word for it, uh, I believe, but uh, I, I think the far right especially has a word for it, but there's absolutely right uh, when it comes to this, is that there are certain concepts that have been created just to so there is a lot of infighting between the left and the right or the Democrats and the Republicans, and these are all non-issues, and calling certain candidates as socialists is definitely one of those. None of those... Uh, uh, manufactured crises that are designed just to keep people divided that has absolutely no basis whatsoever and yes uh, I know uh, I see a lot of the especially Republicans like to accuse this and that candidate as a communist and a, as a socialist but uh, you can definitely see that if, if he even when you look at the definition of what socialism is and what it stands for even communism these candidates are—they are pretty much on the right-hand side of the spectrum. So it—it it is an absolute joke. And uh, of course, AOC—I mean, she can't be even a socialist by any stretch of the imagination because she really supports cancel culture. She supports many of the things that will be very much uh, opposing the socialist values. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I don't. I, don't, I mean, it's uh, the uh, irony is like the Republicans are tying her to communism and socialism and she's such a socialist but in the last few weeks she's actually 
completely on the other side of socialism. I'll tell you what I mean. So she gave this interview, right, with the DSA newspaper or the, the, the magazine that they have called Something Left. I forget what it is. But she gave an interview with this guy called Don McIntosh, right? This guy is like a high-level operative with the AFL-CIO and has, he's like basically a DNC operative for all intensive purposes. And she did this interview like maybe three weeks after the Capitol riots, right? So they must have been, you know, tripping on Trump derangement syndrome and all the coup and plotting and all that they think was going on. And it was completely prepared. This is not like some kind of, she's never given an interview with this magazine. She's been in Congress for what, three years now, right? So she, this is the first, and she's a DSA member. This is the first time she's given an interview with them. So obviously this was like a long drawn out planned narrative set and all that stuff. And we're going to deconstruct that right now. So it's like she's selling vape fumes to people claiming Dems are now a working class party, right? She tries to be tie the left wing. She's she's trying to tie left wing opposition with right wing enabling. She keeps saying that if you're gonna, uh, you know, criticize us, you're like helping right wingers out, right? And in the weeks since the interview, Biden has suspended the rights to asylum and deported tens of thousands of Central American refugees, denying them as much as a court hearing. And all she says in that interview is that look at us, we are now here and we're not deporting anybody. And it's like she either didn't get the memo or she's just completely obfuscating for Biden because Biden did that whole, I won't deport anybody for 100 days when he got in and he immediately started deporting people. He's deported like over 26,000 people already, right? Yeah, and uh, I can see that she actually put out a video being a complete Biden apologist. She was like, oh, this is very different to what's happened with Trump. We are not snatching babies and everything. But God... And she also said that it's not a border crisis, it's an imperial crisis, it's a climate crisis, it's a trade crisis. Carceral crisis. Oh, good. And there was a great tweet about it. You know, there was a great tweet by a certain, uh, I I don't know how to, I think she's called Sky Daddy. But uh, she she put a picture of AOC doing her whole Sierra Connor thing at the border. Yeah. At, at the at the fence uh, and she's like right. bitch you were at the border doing a photo sh- shoot but now it's not a crisis and it just says that it's, it's it's pretty funny you gotta see it didn't she call them like she was calling them concentration camps right uh, at the border when trump was around right um, and now it's not the same thing it's 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 all in fact uh eric london uh, who you mentioned before the guy who works for the world socialist website he actually said he actually nailed her he said like you're you're talking about uh, you know systematic changes and all this technocratic stuff but the kids are going to be forever scarred and the you know, the Democrats built these cages. You keep forgetting that, right? She keeps forgetting that. Anyway, so coming back to this thing where she was giving the interview, and she's basically now, what the irony is, quote-unquote, that the socialist who the right-wing hates, in the interview, is tying, she's trying to make people scared of socialism by tying it with human rights deprivation. You know, they're going for the old anti-communism trope that's worked so well in brainwashing this country. Uh, she even tries to shame people into being socialists by praising DSA members running for office as Democrats, like the ones you were talking about where she's giving all this money to all these uh-huh. DCCC candidates and all these CIA operatives, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah. And she's saying, oh, these are the people that you want to be around and they are not cynical and they, they do not engage in more socialist than thou. They're just relentlessly positive. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? You're a socialist. What do you mean more socialist than thou? You're not even socialist anymore, right? And the DSA, oh my God, this group 
it succeeded in facilitating the Democrats' adoption of identity politics that you just talked about, all this woke crap, yeah. based on doling out privileged positions to corrupt representatives of various racial groups and more open acceptance of human rights imperialism, mm-hmm. right? So this is basically... Uh, it's basically an op. That's all it is. Uh, uh, I don't know if you remember this from last year or maybe two years ago. Uh, the Gray Zone exposed a bunch of DSL leaders as freaking imperial DNC like insiders, right? Yeah. I think I even got into an argument with like this DNC hipster that I knew, and he was like on a complete rabid anti Tulsi trip, and he tried to keep arguing with me about how bad she was and how great you know Bernie was. But turns out Bernie also endorsed Biden. So what's your problem, man? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it just it's just nuts and. AOC and DSA are just gatekeepers of this bourgeoisie political left channeling social opposition in the Democratic Party and placing its left opponents beyond the pale. That's what they do. Yeah. They don't really give a shit about anything else. They just their their job is basically now that Bernie's like tapped out, they're tapped in. You know, they're like the next Bernie. They're right in there. And those who fight to mobilize the working class, class essentialism for a break with the Democratic Party are cynical bad faith actors who want to quote unquote destroy. This is from Eric London's article, and I'm glad he came out, man. I mean, we needed some real socialist to, like, kick ass. These people are co-opting things that they know nothing about, and the reason I've always felt that AOC has been a complete fraud, she has zero, she's never been right on foreign policy, ever, starting with the whole Venezuelan, like, I defer to House leadership bullshit back uh, two or three years ago, and she's basically very malleable. Uh, she went through that business incubator thing, which I'll talk about later, and they basically created this 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 personality around her. She's she's basically a clean slate. It's basically just another Obama. And even DSA, though, the first time I ever got my uh, got my uh, sights into this organization was when I saw that video. I know this is a video sort of propagated by the right wing, but it's not a doctored video by any means. Where you saw this DSA's sort of a conference or something like that and you can see all these people up on the stage they it, it felt more like a star wars convention or some sort of a dress up convention where people were sort of you know they were dressed up like fidel castro or whatever calling each other comrades and then you can see this really some guy i mean i can't i can pretty much picture what he looks like you can't see him but i'd assume that he's sort of like this really fat guy who's probably lived in his mom's basement his entire life and he starts yelling at everyone can people just stop using gender pronouns please and you you can see that this guy he really means it he's really triggered by this as well i, I mean these are the types of clowns who are these are all people who are who are centered on cosmopolitan issues and not on actual real issues so yeah i i mean there is if i had to entrust the, my future with uh, with a bunch of uh, you know uh, a bunch of scumbags who are already in power as opposed to this guy i'd probably go for the lesser i mean i'll probably go for the evil that i know you know because i wouldn't want this guy to be right. in charge of anything i mean he, he'll be the first to pull the trigger the moment that the squeeze comes on to, if he has yeah. power so yeah and uh, 
but at the same time though you did bring up something important and that was the whole border crisis oh yeah yeah i wanted to actually play this for you before you said anything like listen to this word listen to what she oh, says oh my right? god this is Please the whole this, this is <laughs> this went from this this went this went from concentration camps and trump is so horrible and it's the worst thing ever we're like nazis here which is true um but uh check this out now the first thing i want to say is that the fact that this keeps happening over and over and over again is a political failure by both parties. And I want to be very clear about that because I don't want to draw false equivalence. What is happening here is not the same as what happened during the Trump administration where they took babies out of the arms of their mothers and deported their families and permanently traumatize these children, some of whom we don't know will ever be reunified with their family again, which is a level of human rights violation that is just simply not the same. Both of these things are barbaric and they're wrong. But when you rip a baby out of the hands of a mother, you cannot draw the same comparison. And anyone who is trying to do that is doing a profound disservice to the cause of justice. So I don't want to excuse any of this, but I'm also, I don't think we should also get them twisted together because one is not the same. And we cannot dust that under the rug. And by the way, those families are owed reparations, period. So your buzzwords, reparations, and this, that, and the other. But here's the best part, right? Uh, Trump uh, made sure that it took the kids from the parents and separated them, right? Biden is separating them in Mexico. He's making the kids come alone and leaving their parents behind there and then locking them up over here. Same damn thing, but apparently it's like different now, right? And what's this thing about like, you know, uh, where she talks about like this being the same thing, uh, like Eric L- uh, London, who actually we talked about before, he actually says that he saw a guard wearing a border militia t-shirt. This is in the facility itself, facility, the cages. Another one refused to answer whether any children had been sexually abused by staff. It's kind of weird. You think that... Yeah, if someone says, are you raping people in here? You'd say no, but this guy's refusing to answer questions. Another forced a group of little girls to mop the friggin' hallway. Involuntary servitude was banned by the 13th Amendment, is what he says. But that's true. And, you know, now they're facilities. They're not concentration camps anymore, right? Uh, look, babies get ripped out of their parents' hands all the time when feminist judges uh, award uh, custody verdicts. But that's I'm going on a tangent here. But... Uh, Here's what I wanted to actually... I'm going to throw a curveball to you on this one. So, okay. So, I've been... I've been... I've, I've been thinking a little bit about this situation at the board. And I'm, I'm, I'm not talking... I'm not trying to defend her here. But I'm, I'm just want to ask you. Don't you think that this whole situation at the board, especially these kids in cages, it's been weaponized a bit... M- m- by everyone than it should have been i mean even from the trump administration time even to today don't you think that the the reason why a lot of these kids end up in the cages is because there isn't enough facilities down there to process 
the level of amount of people that's coming through the border that's creating a sort of a temporary crisis so they have to be put them somewhere well, the, we have to always talk about the reason for this right i mean this place has actually created the reason for them to come right and they know it right and they're not willing to fix that unless you fix that nothing you can do on the border will ever be enough to meet the demands of all the people coming here now trump did one thing he kept them th- oops sorry he kept them there right he kept them in 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 the in mexico and he the, this is when he like just before he left he created that ban where they couldn't even come in right but before that i mean you know as much as we have like our little you know fuming tirade about aoc sometimes but yeah, you know, this is again where the right wing plays its part in making Democrats look better just by comparison. I mean, that's why she gets to say things like, "This is not ripping babies out of the arms," because people are very visual. That that is like nothing is. Wor- I mean, of course, if you think about it. That was that when it first happened, they acted like it's like a new nine eleven or something. But you know, just like every headline in America, it sort of disappeared in like ten minutes, and you know, then it became like a normal thing. Oh, we rip babies from parents, right? So. That's the thing. I mean, what what can you do? Like you're getting this whole influx in. Biden is now saying Biden did that to look better than Trump. Hey, come on over. But now the kids leave their parents and come with coyotes, and they there's like six thousand of them or something in a cage built for like three hundred or something like that. Some insane number, like seventeen hundred percent. So yeah, and that's the thing. It's always it's. I think it's it's a complete third rail issue for politics more than anything else because there's always going to be you know it can always be used by one party or the other depending on what's happening, right? Yeah, because I've been told that there is a significant portion of these children that end up in these cages. At least, I mean, when I, when you say cages, they're sort of they. I I think the. We do sort of think that these cages as how animals end up in zoos, but I think it's sort of a disingenuous argument because for the most part, they have to be kept somewhere during this whole process and that that's why where these cages come in because they're sort of the, the only way they can, um, with, with the resources they have, they, they can accommodate these children. But I've also been told that... Uh, very significant portion of the children are either unaccompanied or accompanied with total strangers. So it, yeah, that's why I said they're leaving their parents yeah. to come here. It's just the kids coming here right yeah. now. So yeah, so I mean, there is really no. I mean, I don't know what type of alternative the the people at the border can have, if, especially if they are coming with a total stranger. You can't just let them say. I would say it's probably better. I mean, it's there's no good solutions right now, but. What's worse, Lee? I mean, I know the parents are sending them here for what they think is a better life, right? But, I mean, has anyone, I mean, I think this is something we need to look into further, is like, what happens to them eventually? What's going to happen to these kids? Are they going to stay in this cage forever? Like, where do they go? Yes, no one talks about that. Yeah, that's that's the thing, though. I think uh, that there has to be definitely better solutions than keeping them in places that appear that look like cages, that's for sure. But at the same time, also, we do know that a lot of lot of the people and a lot of these migrants uh, in, in in the border they come with the uh, human traffickers and cartels i mean yeah, the it, 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 yeah, yeah it's a cartel it's a cartel economy that's what yeah, biden yeah. that's who biden is helping they, they said biden is helping these cartels out right now maybe that's true because you know they it's not like the cia and the F, and fbi are like uh, enemies of the cartels they're like freaking homies yeah, half the time exactly. they're busy laundering all their drugs and money most of the time right mm, yeah but that's that's the whole CIA propaganda matrix right there. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, I've I've listened to some podcasts where they do go 
a little bit in depth about how the cartels operate in the border and how these caravans are originated and who does them, who's complicit, who benefits from them, who even in fact uh, funds them in some cases to create these type of political situations because there are a lot of politicians in the US who actually do want to see these caravans come because it is a very good uh, talking point for them uh, whether it is from the left or the right it doesn't matter whether it's from the republican yeah. because they do like these caravans to keep coming because it gives them a distraction from everything else that they have need to actually address so yeah uh, i that's that's the, that's just the curveball that i wanted to throw here is that because when they do say that kids in cages and when some people say these are concentration camps i just think they're taking it completely out of context it's more of uh, situation where I think where there's such a big influx at certain time periods that there is not enough infrastructure to handle something like that. But at the same time, you know, people will say, oh, you can build better facilities, build this, better build that. But th that that is a whole different argument because how do you provide better facilities when the people, certain people, even your own citizens sometimes don't have better facilities. There are like homeless. Yeah, yeah, but you, you and me both know. You and me both know they can print money, all right? They, it's decide. It's it's how when they choose to print it. That's all. If there's a coronavirus crisis, let's give ten trillion away to the banks, and then we have so much money printing, right? And it's not even money. It's just pressing numbers on the computer at this point. But uh, but you know what? I, I I was really like after seeing this whole turn about. You know, kids in cages becoming facilities and Biden always being referred to as the administration. She even talked about how it's like it's a it's a crazy situation right now. Right. Well, you you aren't helping. You're like promoting the guy who built this freaking police state up, man. Right. What are you doing? So this is why she's so disingenuous. It's like I think it's like a total recall. These people got their minds wiped or they were always, I think, and I'm going to go over this right now. I think that she was she she was. You know what they say in the movie? She was made for this. This this role she's playing right now. She's the ultimate sheepdog for the DNC. They've realized that they can use her. She's not the enemy, right? She. Everyone thought that she was going to take down Pelosi and she was going to cause this big change. But you know what? The Democratic Party changes you. You don't change the Democratic Party. So when she started, she ran on criminal justice reform, abolish ICE. She's taken that off her website. Right. It's no longer abolish ice. Right. I think she put it back after she got like a ton of heat for it, but she took it off for a while and it became defund ice all of a sudden. Right. And her first uh, first uh, I remember seeing her first interview with Jimmy uh, like in 2017, I think it was. Right. 27 early 2018. And she she said, I want to get rid of Nancy Pelosi. Right. And, you know, our show opened with that whole Pelosi is the greatest progressive warrior ever. So she the, the first day on the job, I think they probably showed her the, uh, you know, the different angle of the JFK assassination and any questions. And she got her marching orders right there. And she basically ran against the establishment. Now. Promoting Nancy Pelosi in her very first day in office, as you heard at the beginning, kids in cages, facilities, Biden is now called the administration. It's different now because mothers aren't having babies ripped off from their arms, just like we played back over there. AOC now says it's open for debate whether facilities with controversial records should be open. Man, all child detention centers have controversial record <laughs> records because they jail children for the crime of attempting to free violence, war, poverty, and U.S.-backed dictators, man. What's wrong with you? You know, it's, it's like she, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I struggle to think about, like, is Trump the op that makes us think he's making people deranged? Or are they really deranged? Like, it's so, I've never seen people just 
lose their shit over one guy. Like, there's never been a guy like him who's who's. I I I once saw. I was like in the room with this uh, with the, with a politician, right? And they were melting down in front of me, talking about Trump. It's like it's. It was almost like one of those like Terminator, right? Where they turn into a m- m- melted steel and they're just on the floor. I was just like, whoa. whoa. I mean, and these people are doing fine. They're not. They're not suffering. This this politician type. They're they're actually probably doing better because Trump's in the house, right? That's that's really their fund. Like Nancy Pelosi said, Trump is like the biggest fundraiser, right? So um, so basically, uh, you know. So I I thought about like you know I was thinking about this for the last couple of weeks, and then I saw this article on in the World Socialist website where Eric London again. This is his second his first article, the one before the one where he talks about her interview, where he goes into her history about who she really is, right? Like, is she really the socialist she claimed to be? And you know something, she actually was picked by the brand new Congress, right, to run. And they, 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 and they, they actually vetted her for six months. Now this vetting, this is what the vetting is, right? So they were looking for how to, f- how, you know, they were looking for the story, the hook, right? Like how B- Barack Obama was a community organizer, right? So they're going for the same damn hook because all these brand new Congress, our revolution, all Democratic Party, man, they can pretend to be all socialists as much as they want to be. They're not socialist, right? They're freaking Democrats. End of story. So she's a Latina, born to a working class family of Puerto Rican immigrants in the Bronx. Her father died in 2008 when she was only in her second year of college. And her mother almost lost the family, almost lost the family home to foreclosure. And then she worked as a bartender for several months uh, while she was in college. She has no history of any involvement in any social struggles. There's no record that she was interested in radical politics, let alone socialism, right? This buzzword that they've picked up, right? Before being selected as a primary candidate. In fact, she worked as an intern in the Foreign Affairs Office of Ted Kennedy, who's a freaking right-winger by the time he died, right? It wasn't like he was some liberal bastion anymore, right? And he was actually the sponsor of the No Child Left Behind freaking W policy, anti-public education campaign, right? Kennedy openly identified himself with the most right-wing education policies throughout his later years in the Senate, and this is when she worked for him, right? And right after that, she started being involved in this business incubator run by these freaking Israeli capitalists, okay? So here we have the socialists going into business incubation stuff, right? In fact, her alma mater, Boston University, describes her as an educational strategist at Gagis Inc., right? Who appears to have been an aspiring corporate leader. So she, she, right, at this point, she wants to be a corporate leader. How the hell does an aspiring corporate leader become a socialist candidate for Congress, right? You see that stretch over there, right? It's insane, right? And... And basically, they said it was under this aegis of these Israelis that she prepared teaching entrepreneurial and self-presentation skills to ambitious young college students and graduates in the Bronx. These skills helped her teach others, may have been instrumental in her own political rise. Yeah, it was basically, they were making her, they were polishing her, you know, they were, this is where you, you're basically carving out the, the mannequin, like, uh, you know, you, you can't, you know, I know people who, uh, like Jimmy always says, politicians are the most uh, mediocre people, like nobody who's worth anything wants to be a politician, just, just people who just have this, you know, this veneer of like, you know, I'm in charge, and I have this look, and uh, mainly, a lot of them are A-type or fake A-type in my, in my experience, right? And then she started this book publishing company with them. Uh, and 
Oh, but she, they provided space for her company for her. She founded uh, called Brook Avenue Press. It never printed any books. And uh, supposedly it was supposed to print ch- children's books. And it's not clear whether the business ever published a book. But like I said, it, there's no book to be, to be heard of or, or read. And while working in the Sunshine Bronx Business Incubator, she was photographed in 2012 with Kirsten Gillibrand and Ruben Diaz, man. These guys are like the freaking corporatist of corporate dems, man. So she's already, you know, she's basically already like swimming with the sharks, right? Like, hey, look at me. I'm, I'm like, you know, and she's already worked with Ted Kennedy. So, you know, she's all, they already know who she is before we knew who she was, right? So she didn't just come out of left field or whatever the, the hell it will arise, right? So then she talks about things like getting tax breaks and stuff, like total capitalistic shit. This is supposed to be the freaking, you know, socialist in chief that's going to arrive and save us all right and the same thing is what they did with barack obama they gave this whole community organizer thing with him and how he, he was such a champion of the people goes around with freaking destroying planet right and then she talks about how she was attracted to dsa you know and the timeline between her joining you know being part of dsa is really sketchy because she had nothing to do with them until the narratives were set and how they were going to really market her because if she was just another dem she really wouldn't have any traction don't forget she was trying to get rid of joe crowley right so right now she's basically another i mean we know she's a joe crowley herself but at that point she was almost like a joe crowley she was she didn't have any socialist bona fides or anything like that so then uh, when she announced her candidacy as a as a brand new congress candidate she did a bunch of events uh, with the teachers federation and guess who she met there she went while she was doing all these events Nomiki freaking Libya, Muammar Gaddafi, stooge, you know, const. I mean, she basically went for these uh, political makeover conferences, where which was run by Nomiki. There's like media presentation skills and stuff. This woman is she. She basically well uh, was working with the Islamist opposition in Libya with the NATO people, right? She's a complete scam. She pretends to be this DSA person, so she's basically getting involved with all these the worst elements of the DNC in in the light of being a socialist. And that's why I don't think we should be surprised at who she is today. This was always her trajectory. She was never what she said she was going to be. And I knew that when she was with Jimmy. In fact, Jimmy's probably kicking himself for that. He gave her the very first big interview, right? But uh, this this, uh, hipster guy that I talked about, the DSA guy, he wanted me to canvas for her back in 2017. And you know, the funny thing is, you know how it wasn't even all this stuff because I didn't know about any of this. You know why I didn't go on canvas for her? I saw Emma Viglin give an interview with her. Remember Emma from TYT? The moment I saw that, I was like, uh, you know, thanks TYT. You actually did me a solid. But yeah, I just it's just nuts, man. I mean, like, you know what? I really think we need another system. We can't do this anymore. This system is is, is beyond repair. It's a, um, I know a guy who wants to be on, on a city council somewhere, right? I mean, I love the guy. I've known him for years, but I pretty much know that the moment, moment, moment he's in there, he's going to be just like them. There's no way you're going to survive. You, and this is in, in a city council in, in, in a town where the city council is really small. There's not that many seats. And when they get in, they never leave. They're there forever. You, you, you really touched on a lot of stuff. You've, done, you've obviously spent a lot of time looking into all this stuff. And I knew that she was also, I mean, I've, I've always known she was a faker, but you know, like that, if you really need any uh, assurances or if you actually need any concrete proof about this, think about that time when she spoke about Julian Assange. Oh man, don't get me started on that. 
I forgot. That's a whole. That's another another whole tangent right there. With the for, like I mentioned, foreign policy zero. In fact, she's one of the leaders of the cancel culture. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. She's not just a leader. She's a leader of the cancel culture. She's a leader of the censorship. Pro. She's very pro censorship. I mean, yep. from right from the start, right? It's, remember, she did that. I remember just like a few months ago when the, when the Capitol riots happened. She's the one who go immediately got on Twitter and started advocating for all kinds of censorship. Oh, uh, actually, uh, you can go way before that. In fact, uh, remember that time when and God, I mean, please don't think that. I'm a fan of this guy, but uh, when Mark Zuckerberg came and spoke at the, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, I actually, for the first time in my life, I actually felt I was supporting him uh, compared to all these fucking Congress people <laughs> who were questioning him, and because I actually yeah. wanted to be on this guy's side because he was absolutely telling the truth in many aspects, and I do believe that he wanted to. A lot of the time, people like Zuckerberg are pressured into having to do a lot of these shitty things. But when she was when she was questioning Zuckerberg, she came. She hit like a hundred virtue signals in. I don't know how she even managed to do that. Yeah, how you had yeah all these white supremacists, this that that that, that she just uh, she just hammered all this and and she couldn't even uh, articulate what she was trying to do because she was so busy with trying to hammer all these keywords in one question and. Zuckerberg was like, I, I, I'm sorry, uh, we, I, I, does not compute, does not compute, explode type of moment because uh, he, he himself was baffled by what the fuck is she on? Just uh, And uh, you can see that she, uh, from that moment, I mean, not from that moment, I've always known it even before that, but, but I just knew, I mean, if you need proof, uh, it, it's worth actually listening to what she was asking Zuckerberg. You can see that she's very pro-censorship. She really wanted to make sure that the Facebook is completely off limits to people with the dissenting views. Uh, and she has not stopped since. So how can you call yourself a socialist when you actually genuinely believe in suppression of freedom of speech? So there you go. Well, also, don't forget that this country re really doesn't know what socialist is. People don't know what socialism yeah. is, right? To them, it's this big b bad word that comes out of Red Scare, Russia, from the... With the In fact, I mean, we are going through a McCarthyist phase right mm. now. And the irony is, uh, this is a movie called Trumbo, I think, that came out like maybe eight or nine years ago. It's got that guy from Breaking Bad. What's his name? The, the lead actor. Keep forgetting his Brian name. Brian Cranston or somebody? Brian yeah. Cranston, yeah. Brian, he plays this uh, guy called Trumbo, who's he's basically a blacklisted Hollywood director because that's when, what happened back then. There was a huge blacklist yeah. because, uh, you know, ironically, back in the 30s and the 40s, I don't know if you remember, there were communist party in this country. Mm. Yeah, there was. There, there were communists running. In fact, communists, communists are the ones who did the strikes of the, of the 10s and the 20s and the 30s, right? They went on strike and they made sure Ford started paying a decent wage or whatever, relatively, right? I mean, they made sure that, in fact, I think even the, um, you know, uh, five-day work week, eight hours a day thing, it was all because these guys were like pushing back back in the early, early 20th century, mm. right? Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is like this country has never really known, you know, to them, socialism is just is the same as communism. It's like a dictator shows up and that's about it. So it's been easy for her to become socialist because nobody knows what it is. So it will be what socialism now to them is what AOC yeah. is. She's actually co-opted it, which is the again the Democratic Party loves to. I mean, remember Bill Clinton with his saxophone on Arsenio? It's like the it's, first black president. It's more dangerous <laughs> than anything that even a fascist can 
put her. I mean, I, I, I mean, she, she is exactly. a fucking fascist. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. But you know, I'm talking about fascists even from a shitlib point of view. But, but she is because because people like her, they they duped people into believing in all these causes, and I've and she has done such a splendid job in herding the sheep through this, uh, you know, sophisticated level of co-option that uh, it is actually, you know, if, if it's sort of like the Pravda style shit, at least you know, you know, you have, you have, a, you're rational enough to be able to distinguish why, that this is not the real thing. But the fact is that she has been so successful in duping people into this movement and co-opting them in and you know integrating them into this into the democratic party and steering them in in a direction that they don't want to go it it makes her even more dangerous and that's why you know there's like when i think of obama going to flint michigan drinking that fucking water you know that, that to me <laughs> oh, that is God. this is the same pool man this is the same fucking cesspool you know her crying at the board is not much different to you know obama drinking that water but uh staying on the cancel culture a little i do think though that i think donald trump recently has come out and he has said uh, he calls for sweeping boycotts uh, don't go back to uh you know certain products uh, until they relent and in some way, to be honest, I must say that from Trump's point of view, I kind of do agree with him because, and let me tell you why I do agree with this. What okay. products? What okay. is so, so this, this. this whole can cancel culture thing, bro, I I've always said that cancel culture is more of a weapon of capitalism than a weapon of socialism. I mean, it has to be, right? Because um, cancel culture means you are giving sweeping powers to certain bosses, uh, certain uh, companies to uh, violate your workers' rights and do as you please uh, unless you abide to certain worldviews. And this seems to be more something, at, le at least even a right-winger says is to boycott something or, you know, cancel something. At least you can say that they are being true to their values because uh, at least they are appealing to the weapons of capitalism, which which in itself you can make an argument. Maybe, maybe that's because, uh, you know, that that's probably... Uh, a testament to capitalism in some ways because uh, you know the, uh, the why are the left co-opting uh, uh, right-wing values unless they know it's effective so maybe uh, hey you know what uh, maybe capitalism is good at getting certain shit done unlike socialism who seems to be a lot more ideologically bent and i think uh, i think what trump is saying though is that uh, he's actually just basically saying that uh, uh, there is a critical mass right now of people who are actually uh, starting to be victimized by this and at the same time you need to re recognize that there is a massive conservative base out there who are also uh, 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 you know consuming a lot of these products so they actually have a more bargaining power than what they r realize because big corporations are not stupid they realize that a lot of the people who actually buy their shit is actually have a predominantly conservative value so why don't you realize that this critical mass exists and use it you know to strengthen your bargaining posture the same way the left has been doing and i think that's what trump is saying so i'm not too sure which uh corporations uh trump is particularly talking about here i mean i can sort of dive into 
Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, Trump is talking about the companies like, which is kind of actually, this is ironic, this is actually funny, but the examples he's using are uh, Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines, Viacom, JP Morgan, Chase, Citroup, UPS. <laughs> these are these are the companies that he's, uh, he's calling out and telling people to, to boycott. So, I mean, these companies buy any, yeah. But I think what uh, what Trump is uh, actually Trump does uh, distinguish. They, they he's saying that these are ca companies that are practicing woke culture, and and that is true. You know, I'm think we can all agree with that. You know, I mean, it is not left wing or right wing, but this woke culture. But I mean, yeah. it's funny that he ma he mentions that, right? He's part of the he's part of the whole apparatus that does it, right? I mean, he is actually a tool of them as well. See, the thing is, like, one is that he's 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 so toxic that even when he's right twice a day or whatever, <laughs> yeah. right? From a messenger perspective, I don't think it'll hold any water because people just hear his name and like, I'm not talking about the conservative base. I'm talking about the average middle, in the middle or left leading or whatever. But that's that's the issue. So, and it's funny that he says it because like I said, he's... He, <laughs> he's, he's from yeah, that same exactly. predator class. Yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. So I was uh, kind of laughing when... Um, he, uh, when he brought up those examples. That's why I think yeah. it's all bullshit. That's why I always think it's bullshit. It's like a freaking entire stage Kabuki theater being played out in front of us where AOC plays a part, Trump plays a part, and it all looks like it's an organism that actually is living and breathing and, and, uh, and dealing with each other. It's all... The people are pulling the strings, man. I mean, this is... You know, um, I think what I was... Well, I was thinking about this while you were talking before is that they figured out, like you just mentioned about the whole, you know, uh, how uh, cancel culture is like the total... Um, tool of the capitalist class, right? I think the predator class has figured out that we can't be dictators anymore. The best time to imprison people is when they think they're free, right? So this way, what happens is you're actually the most imprisoned you've ever been right there, right now. The COVID bill, right? You can't sue the pharma companies. You can't even sue your employer if you don't want to, if they want to, if they, if they say that you got to take the vaccine and you don't and they fire you, you can't sue, you cannot sue your employer. Just because this is something on your own time, right? Because now they've made vaccinations. And of course, we I think in the next few weeks, we're going to start talking about that vaccine passport, which is the next big Orwellian thing they're going to dream up. I mean, Whitney's been going on about it for a while. But I think now New York State has rolled out something, right? A digital tool, right? And they're going to tie your economic and so economic and social activity all into one Yeah, thing. because actually speaking about Whitney, she just appeared on the Tim Dillon podcast. I was uh, on in the process of listening yeah. to it, but uh, unfortunately I couldn't uh, completely follow up with it because it, it's just so new. It just came out last night. But staying on the COVID passport, did you see the recent video put out by a lot of these world celebrities about... Uh, some sort of, oh, yeah, uh, did, you I know, did. always uh, look for some sort of a seal in the building. I mean, the seal, yeah, the 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 stamp of like it being a, I don't know, compliant oh business. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, uh, imagine how. Yeah. So imagine who, who stands to benefit just... from that. So every major Fortune 500 company can. Why, why don't why don't why don't we why don't why don't we just make the picture black and white? And change that to uh, yeah 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 what I was suggesting yeah I know in in blood right yeah. or you just put a in blood put an X uh, in it you know just so it's a, yeah so wh whoever has this a bloody X on their building just 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 stay away from it because we are going to burn it down <laughs> type of attitude they are going to have I mean it's just it's yeah. just a modern day version of that I mean you know I mean here's the thing right they they're the reason you know this is a this is something that they this is not this is not for the betterment of anybody. This is to push their agenda, right? 
The reason you know that is because of the insane amount of pushback they give you when you question anything, right? If you really want people to accept things openly, right, then you got to be as open as transparent and make it as accessible in a non-threatening way as possible. But you're like, you know, you can't talk about uh, COVID wrong on Patreon or you'll get demonetized, things like that, right? The moment you start doing shit like that, then people are going to be like asking more. It's like the Streisand effect, Just right? think about it for a moment. Who are really going to suffer from these type of uh, regulations? I mean, do you think that Fortune 500 companies can't afford to put a seal on their building? Come on, it'll be the easiest thing in the world. These things benefit them because extra steps are something that they have infinite resources to spend on having those steps. But the people who are going to suffer the most are sort of the minorities, yeah, the small business yeah. owners, uh, the people who who has to where. You know, life is a struggle for these people. Imagine they're not going to be able to maintain some seal because some corporate lackey has all these demands to fulfill. They will come in and they will pick and pick apart every little thing. Oh, this wire is like that. This water is like that. This is like that. This is like that. I mean, we we, we all have so much struggles. If we have to maintain that type of shit, we can't. We can't operate uh, 24/7 we can't operate well that's yeah. that's that's what yeah. they want that's what they want they want this is a great yeah. reset right this is where covid was the best thing for them right they were able to completely decimate us businesses 60% small business out of business forever right i mean what about i mean forget about the coming eviction crisis and i mean there there's a massive i would say almost 50 to 80 million underclass this is like brazil now this country is brazil right we we may have a, we may as well have favelas out in the street because it's literally there anyway. And now we're gonna have like where I live down the street. There's like eight nine businesses out 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 of business in a the row. They just shuttered gates, and the landlords get tax breaks for having no business there. I mean, to them they don't give a shit. But people are not thinking about the long term effects on a community and a society. This is all gonna be corporate freaking you know spare giveaways. Amazon's gonna come and buy the whole block, and you'll have Amazon Bakery, Amazon Barber, Amazon everything, right? And um, that's why I feel like, you know, the power of the purse is important. I mean, uh, uh, Christian Smalls, as you know, the guy who got fired from Amazon from Staten Island last year, he had a sign that always says the cost of convenience. I mean, they've tricked people into, like, I was walking down the street today, right? I was thinking about this COVID passport, right? Now, I'm a tech guy, so I'm like, oh, yeah, it'll be easier to have, a, like, an app instead of carrying this goddamn vaccination card around. That's the first step in co-opting you. Because you're used to being, you like that convenience, but none of it is free, right? And that's that's what it is. At, at the end of the day, this is a complete reset. COVID couldn't have happened. I mean, even even the roll rollout of COVID. I mean, I've been hearing things about uh, you know it being in. I mean, there's more. I think Crystal and Sagar did a did a skit about it. Skit did a news uh, news or uh, news uh, news clip about it being. Um, they got someone on talking about how it may have originated in a lab or whatever. But starting with that whole 2019 Johns Hopkins uh, pandemic simulation, right? Starting with that, right? You know what they did in that simulation? I don't know if I told you this, right? In that simulation, they actually simulated how to um, how to combat quote unquote disinformation about the virus, right? I mean, they're simulating how to create a narrative right there, right? I mean, this was done in the simulation. So, and even like I'm just thinking about this now, but like when the virus started, if you and me both, the virus seems to have started middle of March last year for everyone, right? 
how the hell did a virus just start everywhere at the same time? I mean, I know it's happening in in Italy and in like China and stuff, but I'm just talking about the rest of the world. Just seemed to go like, it, did they all like message each other? Okay, March 15th is the day, man. That's the day like it's going to be everywhere. And <laughs> it just it just there's an article by uh, Whitney. We just uh, you mentioned her just earlier. I think it's titled uh, Silicon Valley and the WEF backed foundation announced global initiative oh, yeah. for COVID 19 vaccine record. Yes, uh, I think uh, we should put that article on the footnotes where I think she she was on Twitter and she said that given that the vaccine passport push is now beyond obvious, I recommend reading my article from January to know where this is all. Okay, so this is from January, okay, where this is all heading. If we allow this policy to advance, merging vaccine records with biometrics, digital identity and economic activity. Yeah, this uh, this that's a very interesting article. I think everyone should read that, and we'll put it on our footnotes. Yeah. Also, it comes on the heels of like the whole nine eleven security state uh, reasons failing, right? This is their next nine eleven. Oh, it's a virus. Now you can't do shit. You know, it's for the better of the. <laughs> They'll always come up with something, and if that fails, like China is going to be the evil person in like ten years, right? This country needs an enemy, whether it's a virus, whether it's. I mean, I think the enemy of the the enemy of the political class is the people of this country. They don't like anybody. They, they're doing it for money. We are disposable assets to them. They, they, I mean, uh, I, I sometimes think that there'll never be a nuclear war because of the fact that, you know, they, they don't stand to make any money. But I think they're, they're, they'd be okay with a few hundred million dead if they, they could make no, a few yeah. bucks. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, you know, you know your, our friend, comrade Misty is Putin's buddy from Twitter. So yeah. just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, she puts out some dope stuff from time to time. So we were talking about AOC earlier and uh, I can see that there's like many people who are now approaching her and sort of... Uh, oh, they're groveling. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> there was someone who yeah. has messaged her, I think the last couple of days, she said, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but close to a year ago, I unfollowed you for going hard on AOC after working for... Yeah, Obama in 2008, you think I'd have learned my lessons, but I have just got my soul crushed by Bernie. Uh, Yeah, so this guy wasn't ready for... And yeah, that's another thing people ask, uh, you know, if you're going to go after AOC, why why aren't you going after Bernie? I mean, who the fuck are you you talking about? Of course, we've gone after... We've been been, going after Bernie forever. we've been going after Bernie forever. And Bernie is even worse because he's he's flaunting about... All these fourteen hundred dollar checks, as if it's a fucking gift from God. When last year the same motherfucker was on Twitter picking on Trump's uh, stimulus package. Uh, I mean, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. I mean, this guy sounds like a freaking motivational speaker or some sort of a salesman now. You know, what will fourteen hundred dollars? Yeah, what will fourteen hundred dollars buy your doing. family now? You know, and and yeah, yeah exactly. he's tr- essentially <laughs> giving you a shopping list list of things you can buy with it. I mean. He's such a fucking water boy. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah. Well, our first exactly. episode was based on yeah, him. Right? Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we, we've called yeah. this guy out for what he was and how he's complicit in a lot of the foreign policy blunders. Uh, because uh, Iraq War 2003 is just uh, his one hit one. Actually, speaking of Iraq War 2003, sorry to go off on a chat tangent, but uh, yesterday I think was Heath Ledger's birthday and... Uh, I just want to give a big shout out to this guy because uh, 
I remember back in 2003, this guy was severely villainized. He, and, he, and a lot of people hated him, in fact. Uh, yeah, oh, because, everyone, yeah, because uh, yeah, like he, uh, he, had the, he actually had the foresight to uh, be one of the few people to make public appearances on the No War on Iraq parades. And, uh, and uh, the media went hard on him, so did the public. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, so shout out to Heath, uh, rest in peace, great actor, great roles, very memorable, greatest yeah. joke ever. So, yeah, so yeah, so uh, going back to Bernie, I think uh, 2003 was just a one-hit wonder, but if you look at everything else he's done, everything else he's supported, everything else he's benefited from, including especially his state of Vermont, they, these are like deeply ingrained in the military industrial complex i mean even the Am- whole amazon thing that yeah, of course you can give him credit for that because he's the one who pulled the strings to get amazon to pay out the 15 dollars. but when they did that they actually stopped a lot of benefits they were giving people like profit sharing and stuff like that so what you know give it one hand take it from the other that's what they did there's like a you know sleight of hand they just made it look like a peer in fact this amazon uh, news account you probably heard of it right it's been on a fake. It's been it's been a fake war with Bernie on Twitter, Amazon News talking about peeing in bottles and stuff like that. So they were like boasting about how they pay people fifteen dollars an hour. They were boasting to Bernie how they pay people fifteen dollars an hour. I'm thinking like, bro, Bernie's the one who got the fifteen dollars, not you. So stupid. I, that's that's why I feel like it's such a charade. It's it's meant for it's news has become entertainment. I don't ever remembering uh, ever remember news being the topic of anything in any social setting like 30 years ago. Like you walk into a party and no one would talk about anything with the news. It was just considered staid and boring. And, you know, now it's become like an entertainment source, right? The clicks, the the, the tweets, the you know, re- retweets, and just everything to do with that. So it's just, it's just, I think it's become like a an economy of its own. I mean, news used to be a loss leader back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And then I think when Reagan showed up, they decided, oh, we can make some money here. And now we, all we get is opinions. We don't really get news anymore, right? So I just wanted to let our listeners know that uh, we, we were off for a few weeks because uh, I went through a, um, a pretty major health crisis. So I had to deal with that. And it really uh, couldn't even get to, get to the editing suite. So uh, we apologize for that. We're, we're back in the house and we're going to be, you know, at this every week. Yeah. And uh, go watch Godzilla vs. King Kong if you haven't. Great film. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it wasn't bad. I need to catch the first one and the second one. I've seen Skull Island. So I think there's... It's actually four. No, this th- is it three or four? Look, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not an expert on this stuff either, but I'm getting into it now little by little. I started watching monster movies with kids. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully soon I'll be an expert in that. All right. So that was our show for this week, and we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back next uh, Sunday, which will be April 10th, and we hope you join us then. And for now, peace out. And talk to you later. Talk to you later, guys. Take care.